As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, listeners. Jess here. Have you heard our newest show, Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches? Winnie Taylor is just a teenager when her mother dies, sending her to Cleveland to reunite with her dad, a former football player. It's an inspirational story about sports, family, and learning to overcome the barriers that hold us back. Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches has something for everyone. Action-packed football games, a story about friendship, and a father-daughter story that will warm everyone's heart. I know you're going to love it. Follow Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free with a GZM family subscription. Head to gzmshows.com for more. Hi, and welcome to the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. My name is Jonathan Messenger, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, my robot, Bebop, Robomogo Wanatron. Uh... Excuse me, Jonathan, I am not your robot. I'm sorry, Bebop, I didn't mean it that way. I'm nobody's robot, I'm my own robot, thank you. Okay, well, I'm sorry, Bebop. If anything, you're my human. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far as to say I'm your human. Yeah, you're my human, and you're my co-host. Okay, Bebop, you know what? Things are getting a little testy around here because Bebop and I have been in our own home studio now for a few days, and uh, maybe you're in a similar situation. Here in Chicago, my editor Griffin and my intern Emerson are not going to school right now. They're staying home in our house, and so maybe you're in a similar situation and you're figuring out you know, what to do and how to learn and do lots of fun kind of school activities at home uh, rather than at school. And so I thought it'd be a fun opportunity, right, to, uh, you know, do an episode that lets you have a little fun with us while you're at home. It's not necessary to have listened to all hundred plus episodes of this show or even the beginning of this season. This is a standalone episode, so if you're behind, you can jump right on and play along. So the way this episode is going to work is that I'm going to read the story, perform the story like we normally do here, and then the story is going to end before it should. And then it's going to be your job to come up with the ending for the story. And so at the end of the story, we're going to have what are called writing prompts, you know, sort of questions to think about, ways the story could go, different things that maybe you could talk about with your parent, and you could write, you know, just a little bit what's going to happen for the rest of the story. And then what we'll do is you send them to us, I'll read them, 
and then I'll make an episode that ends the show the way you, the listeners, the kids, think it should end. So I look forward to all of your awesome ideas and to making this episode with you. And if you guys like doing this, if you like participating in helping me make episodes like this, maybe we'll do this more often as, you know, kids are home from school and looking for fun things to do that aren't just sit down, do workbook. Hey, is that a robot joke? I resent that. Okay. <laughs> See, Bebop. See, Bebop and I have been in such close quarters here that we're a little irritable with each other. So without further ado, let's get into this episode, The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, special collaborative episode, Solo Robo. will be without incident, Finn, said Foggy. There is nothing to worry about. It will be completely fine. I've been on so many missions with you at this point that there is really no reason I can't do this one without you. Finn couldn't believe his ears. That is what you call totally fine, Foggy, he said. That is the unfinest thing I have ever heard. Finn Caspian was chief detective of Explorers Troop 301. He and his best friends Abigail, Elias, and Vale always traveled from their space station to weird and wild planets across the universe. It was their job to find a planet where humans could one day live, and Finn and his friends had gotten pretty good at dealing with aliens, solving mysteries, and just generally not exploding things whenever they could avoid it. But Finn and his friends had been stuck aboard the famous Marlow 280 Interplanetary Exploratory Space Station for a month. Their explorer pod, the little ship they piloted out to visit other planets, broke down after their last mission. The engineers aboard the space station had spent a couple of weeks trying to fix it. But when you live on a space station that travels across galaxies the way a skateboard hops over a curb... Things tend to break down. So the kids had to wait for their pod to be fixed. Buck up, Finn, said Foggy. I am your robot after all. I have learned from the best, and by that I mean you. It was true. Finn had received Foggy as his eighth birthday present, and Foggy had been the best adventuring buddy Finn could have ever asked for. He had saved Finn about a hundred times, and had been nothing but loyal, smart, a little weird, and really fast. I just don't see why you get to go on the mission all by yourself, said Finn. Finn's mother, Captain Isabel Caspian, had decided that while the Explorer pod was being fixed, Foggy, who didn't need a ship to fly off to other planets, would do the exploring, and Finn and his friends would stay aboard the space station. And so now Foggy was standing by the loading hatch, ready to use the rocket boosters built into his feet to propel him down to the purple planet below the space station. I know, said Finn. I'll, I'll put on a spacesuit, and then I'll go piggyback on you. 
I'll hold on super tight, and then that way I can go to the planet with you. Foggy shook his head. You know that's against the Marlowe's rules, said Foggy. Oh, I don't care, said Finn. I won't tell anyone. I won't say a word. I'll even let you run the entire mission. I just can't sit inside for one more minute. Take me with you, Foggy, please. Well, I wish I could, old friend, said Foggy. But this is just something I have to do. And I have to do it solo. You mean duo? Oh, whoops. I didn't know he would be down here. Finn spun around. There, gleaming in all of his perfect, spotless chrome glory, was Voltronic Zoo. While all of the robots of the Marlowe took their personalities from beloved books that they downloaded onto their hard drives, Voltronics was the one robot who never even sniffed a book. Oh, come on, said Finn. Him? You're taking him, Voltronics Zoo, to explore? You do remember that one time we took him out and then he just floated off into space because his battery died, right? He's not exactly a rocket scientist, Foggy. Voltronics laughed and landed a heavy hand on Finn's shoulder. <laughs> Ridiculous, said Voltronics. Everyone knows rockets don't have scientists. They have rockets and fire, that sort of thing. What? said Finn. Every rocket was built by a scientist. A rocket shot this very space station into space, and this space station is full of scientists. <laughs> Laughed Voltronics. Words. So many words. Terrific. Voltronics pressed a button on the wall, and the airlock door opened. <laughs> Through the short hallway of the airlock was another door that opened into the cold expanse of space. Finn hugged Foggy. Foggy, please take me, said Finn. Or, you know what? You don't even have to take me. You could just pick me up and throw me out the airlock. I just need to get off the space station. I need to do something. Voltronics walked into the airlock. Come on, Foggy, said Voltronics. Finn, go back and tell your friends that joke you said earlier about rockets and scientists. <laughs> just terrific. I'm sorry, Finn, said Foggy peeling the boy astronaut off his chest and standing him on the ground. These are my orders, and by these orders, I will act. I promise I won't have any fun, and I'll come back as soon as possible. No, it's fine, said Finn. I'm sorry. I'm being a bad friend. One of us should have fun. Thanks, said Voltronics. That'll be me. Oh, not you, said Finn as Foggy entered the airlock and shut the door behind him. He waved to Finn as the door to outer space opened and the two robots flew off to the planet below. Voltronics and Foggy soared through the atmosphere of the strange planet and landed on an island. They were surrounded by calm, purple waters. The island they had chosen was actually part of a vast chain of islands, thousands of them, all dotting the purple oceans of this planet. Okay, said Foggy. Captain Caspian said there is animal life on this planet, but 
No signs of true intelligent life. Until now, said Voltronics. That is why they call me Voltronics True Intelligent Life, uh, Zoo. Really? said Foggy. Who calls you that? Oh, it's my, uh, it's my rap name, said Voltronics. That's the name I rap under. Voltronics, definitely smart zoo. Foggy thought about pointing out to Voltronics that he couldn't even remember his own name, but decided it was better to get to work. They scanned all over the island, looking for any sign of life. After one minute, Voltronics said, Well, I've looked everywhere. No life here. The island was very small, about the size of three soccer fields side by side. And while there were no trees on the island, there were plenty of low bushes that the robots hadn't fully explored. Voltronics, we haven't seen everything here yet, said Foggy. We should explore a little before moving on and claiming there's no life. Explore, said Voltronics. What is there to explore? This island is barely bigger than my foot. Voltronics kicked a bush next to Foggy. <laughs> a small, furry creature flew out of the bush. It was the strangest creature Foggy had ever seen. It had thick, brown, soft-looking fur, like the rabbits on Earth. But it had long antenna that stuck up from its head. And on the ends of those antenna were large eyes with heavy lids. It had four small legs that were now sticking straight up in the air, and it was paddling them ferociously. But the little creature was so round, it couldn't right itself and stand up. It was stuck on its back. Hello, said Foggy. My name is Foggy. I am here as a representative of the famous Marlow 280 Interplanetary Exploratory Space Station. I am sorry my partner kicked you out of your bush. The little animal didn't say a word. It just continued to scramble on its back, trying to get right side up. Do you speak, little one? Said Foggy. Do you understand what I am saying? The animal continued to paddle its legs. Foggy thought it looked like it was listening to him, like it had slowed down a little bit, like it had slowed down a little bit to listen. Oh, this is pointless, said Voltronics. I, Voltronics Smarty Pants Zoo, will fix him. The shiny robot bent to pick up the little alien. No, shouted Foggy. He grabbed Voltronics' arm. It is in the Explorer's Handbook that we are not to touch the aliens if we can help it. What? said Voltronics. The humans do it all the time. I know, said Foggy. Humans are always touching everything. I don't know why. Yeah, and then they're always talking about washing their hands afterwards. Well, they have to, said Foggy. Their skin is like one big germ sponge. Ugh, gross, said Voltronics. Anyway, it's just us robots here today, so I am definitely going to flip this little guy over. Don't, yelled Foggy. But it was too late. Voltronics had bent over and flipped the little alien onto its feet. <laughs> Shouted the little creature. But this time, it was in stereo, because there were two of them. Two identical, antenna-eyed fur aliens. Oh, that's weird, said Voltronics. I could have sworn there was just one. There was just one, said Foggy. 
Well, maybe one was hiding beneath the other one, said Voltronix. He picked up the two creatures at the same time and... <laughs> shouted the now four little aliens. Oh! Cried Voltronix as he dropped the two he held in his hands. The four little aliens all looked up at the robots. Voltronix, said Foggy. Please stop touching them. I think you're creating a problem here. Oh, it's not really a problem, said Voltronix. I'll gather these four up and put them in a bush, like they were before. No, shouted Foggy. Voltronix grabbed the aliens, and then there were eight little creatures. Where do they keep coming from? Said Voltronix. You, said Foggy. Every time you touch one, they multiply. Really? Said Voltronix. He picked one up, and another one appeared on the ground below. <laughs> Weird, said Voltronix. He bent down and tapped one on the head. One, <laughs> two, <laughs> three, <laughs> four times. Oh, will you please stop it, man? Said Foggy. Oh, do you think I should stop and wash my hands? Said Voltronix. Yes, definitely, said Foggy. But first, we need to figure out what to do about all these little things you've created. Oh, I'll just collect them all. It's not a big deal, said Voltronix. And he scooped up eight little creatures. <laughs> a party of aliens exploded out of his arms and then jumped all around. Oh, you don't realize you are doing this right, said Foggy. You're the one making all these new miniature nuisances. It's you. Yes, said Voltronix. I realize that now. Oh, good. Now you realize it. So what do we do? Well, I suppose the only thing to do is to leave, said Voltronix. No harm, no foul. So I made a couple dozen little weirdo bug-eye aliens. It's just on this one island. It's not like they can jump to another... Oh, wow. Yep. Wow. They can jump really far. Two little aliens jumped high in the sky and landed on another island. They turned and wiggled their eye antennas at Foggy and Voltronix. I think they're making fun of us, said Voltronix. Okay, let's think, said Foggy. How are we going to stop them from multiplying and going all across this world? I got it, said Voltronix. He bent down and scooped up ten aliens. <laughs> Seriously? said Foggy. The island was now full of little aliens, and more were getting ready to jump across the water, spreading out across the oceans. Oh, what would Finn do? said Foggy. Alright, so, that is where this episode is ending, and now it is up to you, the listener, to decide how Foggy and Voltronix are going to get out of this mess and how they're going to make things right before they get back up to the Marlow. So there are some things to think about when you're writing the ending of a story. Every story has, at the heart of it, a conflict. Or another way of putting it is that somebody wants something and there's something in the way, an obstacle to that person or robot getting the thing they want. So the conflict in this story is obviously... Foggy 
just wants to do his job, and Voltronics keeps making little aliens. And so the central conflict here is how can these robots make things right on this planet? But there's another conflict going on in this story as well, and that's the conflict between Finn and Foggy, where Finn really wants to go, but Foggy wants to follow the rules and not let Finn go. So as the writer of this story, you have to think about, one, why are the aliens multiplying? Two, how can they stop them from multiplying? Three, how can they maybe reduce the number of aliens that are on this planet? Four, what was that that Foggy saw in the alien when the aliens slowed down and seemed to be listening to him? And how could that be helpful with the rest of the story? Five, who is going to solve this problem? Is it going to be Foggy? Is it going to be Voltronics? Or is it going to be the two of them working together? Or could there be another way? Another thing that comes up in writing a lot is what's called motivation, right? What a character wants and how that influences what happens with the story. So a question to ask yourself is, what's Foggy's motivation? What does he really want when he's on this planet? And then what is Voltronics's motivation? What does he really want on this planet? And how can those two things that these two stubborn robots want, how can they kind of come together to help solve the problem. Those are just some ideas to think about when you're coming up with how this story ends. So there are a number of ways you can help me finish this story. Maybe it's just talking with your parents and you could record that conversation with your parent and send it to me and I can listen to it. Maybe it's telling your parents what to write. You tell your parents, these things need to happen these are the sentences that I want, and your parents help you write it. Maybe it's you sitting down and writing it out in your notebook, and then you take a picture of it, and you send it to me. Or you could type it out in an email, what your ending should be, and send it to me. You don't have to write another two or three pages. You are more than welcome to, and I would love it if you did. Whatever it is that gets your juices flowing and gets you thinking about how to complete this story, send it my way. Recordings, drawings, writing. Maybe you're in kindergarten and what you really want to do is tell your mom how the story should end. That's great. Just do that. Maybe you're in eighth grade and you want to write part two and you want to write 12 pages for the next episode. Do it. Send it my way. Maybe you're in fourth grade, somewhere in between, and you just want to write another page or two. Do that. Maybe you want to work with your mom or dad, and you write one sentence, and then they write the next sentence, and then you write that sentence after. However it works for you, put the ending of the story together, send it to me. What we're going to do is we're going to do another episode where we run through all these various endings. So that means that if you just had a couple of ideas... You know, we'll read those ideas. Um, if you actually write the next few pages of the story, then I will perform those few pages of the story and we'll hear that in the episode. Now, I can't promise that every single ending that gets sent in will make it into the episode because I don't know how many we'll have, but I will do my best to include it. So if you go to our Facebook page or if you go to fincaspian.com, we'll have a link to a sheet that has the various questions that I mentioned on here. And then parents and kids 
you can kind of think about those questions and then work on the ending of the story. Here's the thing that I really want to drive home about this. This should be fun. You should be laughing. You should be excited. And just wherever your imagination takes you, do that story. Okay? Don't let, oh, I have to write this, stop you. Just do it in whatever way it would be fun for you. Okay? Send it all to earth at fincasting.com. If you can send them by Sunday morning on March 22nd, then I can go through and we can make an episode for next week. I'd really appreciate it. Hopefully these characters are fun for you to write and create with, and, uh, and we'll see how it goes. So thanks, everybody, for participating. I hope everybody is staying healthy and having fun and learning and playing with their families, and I will see you very soon. Hi, I'm Amy. I'm Odid. I'm Ethan. I'm Ala. And, and we're, we're a GZM family. Join us and listen to Fourth and Inches. Here, here we, we go, brownies. Here, here we go. Hoo, hoo. Three years ago, Brinley Pasternak helped the Anders family uncover the truth about Holiday's past. Now, she'll need them to help her find the truth about hers. Six Minutes Out of Time is the long-awaited sequel to the most downloaded family audio adventure in history. When Cyrus is found unconscious near the mysterious Elixir Academy in Florida, Brinley learns the school may have a shocking connection to her missing mother. All new episodes are available one week early and ad-free for GZM subscribers. Visit gzmshows.com to learn more.